power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. It's TIE Fighter Renegades, a Star Wars podcast. Ooh, that is right. It's time for TIE Fighter Renegades. And even though, you know, I've done a few solo episodes lately, and I might have other solo episodes to, to come up, but that's for the future. The now, here and now, this is no solo episode, uh, and it's certainly not the movie solo, though there might be some, uh, some trite comparisons to that as we go along here, but I am being joined by none other than Robin Freebeard from his very own museum, by the way. <laughs> uh, which, it looks like one. Holy shit. The, the, these Dune uh, uh, records framed in glass on the wall. Yeah. Stunning. How did you get those? Uh, I've been hunting them down for quite a long time, and I think I, think I got them off of a seller on Etsy about a year ago. Oh, wow. And they had them at a reasonable price. Yeah. Uh, because I've seen them go anywhere from 75 to 700 or several hundred dollars. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. I got them for like 35 bucks a piece. That's amazing. Um, so is this the complete set? Is this all No, there, there are some more that I don't have, but these are the ones that I feel have like the best artwork. Yeah. And in fact... Some of these are like you can't get the the artwork in any other format because they're not on books, they're not in any other publications. Right. Do you recall the name of the artist who did these? Uh, it's the same artist who who did the books. Yes, who did the books. Right. Yeah, at least the the, the first book, and did the illustrations in the illustrated Dune. Yeah. Well, I think it's the same guy who because when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties. Like these were the covers, or well, not exactly these. Yeah, but you but could tell it was all the same art. Yeah, you know, uh, all the way up to, well, even Chapter House, I think, at the time. Yes, that's um, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and there is the, the the paperback edition of Heretics was also done by him. Right, right, which is the only way I knew these books, you know, and I was getting them from the public library in Utica, uh, New York, and yeah, I, I love that. Like, it's so uniquely Dune. Um, the only thing that might be different here, it doesn't have like that that font. You know that really like curly cute right? Font yeah, that, uh, yeah. That the, the one that's that's been called in some circle the Orthodox Herbertarian font. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, yeah, fantastic. Uh, to, I mean, what a, what a great setting to be recording this in. This is easily the best setting. In fact, dare I say it's a, a, a better setting than even the BDSM studio because I mean we are just surrounded by greatness in science fiction which you know when we're doing tie fighter renegades um you know this is the inspiration you want and it's just it's all over the place unbelievable <laughs> so <laughs> and i mean we don't even dare go into the other wings of the museum because we won't even record we're just gonna be too busy reading or yeah you're just gonna get lost yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> this place is just so amazing so um, he got lost in his own library yeah. you say. <laughs> and then there he goes quoting indiana jones well we are going to certainly be talking about some Lucasfilm action here uh, because this is TIE Fighter Renegades. And, uh, man, it's been a while since we did an episode. In fact, I was looking at the show notes for the last episode that you and I specifically did of TIE Fighter Renegades. Um, has it been a while? I feel like it's been a, a long... We were last talking. It was at least two, three months ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. In fact, maybe it was when you were first in New Hampshire visiting 
and we recorded and talked about like the news of what's going to be coming up with Obi-Wan. I think it was even before Bad Batch. Right. Uh, uh, even aired. Am I, am I, I right don't about know. that? I no. don't know. I, I, no, I, went, I, went, I think it was after Bad Batch. It was after Bad Batch. Yeah. We did, yeah, yeah, we did do a full review of Bad Batch. Right. right? Yeah. Well, anyway, it's been a while. So, yeah, it has. It's been yeah. a couple of months. Yeah. Um, so this will be good, and we are going to be reviewing. We've got other things to talk about. Of course, Star Wars Celebration happened. But the main thing I think that people are going to be looking uh, looking for in this episode is are we going to review Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi? And we are four episodes deep, and we're going to review all four. Um, of course, there's only two left after that, which is hard to believe. You know, yeah. this is only a six-episode thing. Um, we'll save that conversation for when we get to it. Uh, but I think ahead of that, why don't we get into some of the little stuff? Uh, there's so much... I, I don't know. This year's celebration, in a lot of ways, I felt like there was a lot of talk, but... Not much substance. Right, not much substance. Yeah. Not a whole lot to walk away from. Yeah. And I certainly don't recall anything that happened that was like a Thrawn moment. Like, no. remember? Do you remember when, yeah. when, when Rebels Season 3 and they introduced that Thrawn was going to be in it? Right, like yeah. That, I mean, that they pro- brought down the house. Oh, it was insane. I mean, the, the amount of colostomy bags <laughs> in that room and, and just, like, you had to bring a mop. You yeah. Know, for all, for all the, yeah. the, the, the shitting of pants that happened there yeah um i don't i don't hell i can't remember actually the last time there was that kind of excitement around an announcement um well other than than you know the the announcement of the the sequel trilogy yeah yeah well that's true sure like right but i mean since like that that was the last big thing i can remember especially at a celebration but honestly I i was originally supposed to go to that yeah, okay, because it was supposed to happen, what, 2020? It, yeah, it was supposed it to happen, canceled. it got canceled because of COVID. It was going to be in Anaheim, California, which right. is not far from, you know, where I used to live. Right. And uh, I had initially had tickets for it, and then when they canceled it, you know, I kind of, you know, because of COVID, they had furloughed me at work, and mm-hmm. I basically, like, okay, just give me the money back, you know. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not giving any, you know, set plans as to when or where you're going to be doing this again mm-hmm. because they weren't even sure that they were going to do it in anaheim right following 2020 so it was like you know screw it uh and then they ended you know announcing they're going to do it you know 2022 yeah in anaheim and it happened you know just here like a couple of weeks after i've moved to new hampshire so <laughs> you know even if i had kept those tickets i really wouldn't have been able to use them no right 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 i hear that uh maybe sometime in the future we'll actually go to a celebration yeah it'd be nice um, yeah and maybe we can get a whole thing going where you yeah know, we record yeah whatever from but that. it definitely did like i i don't feel like i missed out on anything this time no not this year yeah again it, I, I don't want to call it lackluster because i'm sure I the would. people who are yeah I mean, outside looking in, I'm just saying. I, I imagine a lot of people there were probably just so happy to get together with Star Wars fans right. again. You know? Yeah, yeah, and but, that is a really nice aspect of sure, celebration. Sure, but yeah, but otherwise it was kind of lackluster. But we did get a couple of nuggets, and yeah. I think nuggets is the term to use yeah. because these are some. I mean, this is some pretty short fare. Uh, one thing that I was glad that we got, and I want to open up with this. Finally, some fucking footage from Star Wars Andor, which has been in the works. In fact, we already 
confirmed a season two, if I'm not mistaken, and this was that was like a year ago. That yeah, they well, that was that was the two. first thing, one of the first things that got announced, you mm-hmm. know, like along with the Mandalorian. I mean, it's, right, it's of been new in, live action shows. Right, that that's that's been in the works since you know the very beginning of you know when they started their own television productions. Yeah, fortunately, you know, Diego Luna seems to have drunk drunk from the the uh, uh, the fountain of youth. Right, uh, <laughs> because he looks phenomenal, and it's a prequel in itself. Yeah, uh, to Rogue One. You know, him playing his character, of course, or his character of Cassian Andor. Um, so we did finally get a trailer for that. Granted, it's more of a teaser. It's a minute 45. It's right. It's not even two minutes long. Right. Um, and it's really light on any kind of story content because you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. So, and we also did, get, we'll get to this, we also did get a season two Bad Batch trailer. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that next. And I have like an overarching thing to talk about with that that I want to get into. But first off, the Andor trailer, Rob. What do you think? I mean, I don't know what to, to say yet. I mean, it looks good. Yeah. In terms of the visuals, I really don't have anything other to say than that because there's there's really no kind of context other than the typical you know Empire versus Rebellion sort of fare. Yeah. Um, we are getting Mon Mothma. It looked like. Yeah. You know, and that probably excited me the most out of it. Yeah. was getting more of her character because we've never I mean and this has been true you know even in the the old EU even in those novels um, I never felt like they fully developed uh, as much as she would be in Darksaber or uh, you know the Heir to the Empire trilogy or whatever you always just got more of that character who was in Return of the Jedi. You didn't really get expansion on the character. You didn't. You got some history of who she was, but you just never really got a whole lot. And you certainly never got much of her. I don't think of what her life was like pre. Right. Uh, 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 you know the, the Star Wars trilogy. In fact, the most we might have gotten was in the game that you know our, our podcast namesake comes from, which is Star Wars Tie Fighter. Uh, yeah, I was actually just going to say that. I feel like the the most you really kind of, I feel, you know, get into her character mm-hmm. actually um, was in the Farlander papers that came right. with the the uh, original X-Wing game. Oh, yes. This, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, because she yeah. wrote like, you know, like a basically a mission statement of New Republic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So basically X-Wing and TIE Fighter were yeah. like the two areas where I felt like we got the most... Uh, history of her character right you know? right um so you know i applaud this just like when we saw her in you know the trailer for rogue one back when that was going to be a new hotness um i applauded that i was like yes good and awesome that they got the same actress who played her of course or who was supposed to play her in episode three of course her character got cut from that right um, but they brought in that actress it is her again in andor i do believe yeah um and so like that that excites me um, but again, we don't really have a whole lot here. But what I saw wasn't bad. I didn't see anything that was like really a problem. No. Um, in the trailer. Yeah. No. Not at all. Right. Like I said, visually, it's stunning. It looks great. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll bring up this point here, even though it might apply to both. Uh, you know, the show is called Star Wars Andor. Mm-hmm. But I would not be surprised, honestly, if we get a bit of a bait and switch. Where it's not so much about Andor, it is more about setting up uh, Mon Mothma than than anything else. And this is going to be part of the conversation later on with Obi Wan Kenobi. But I want to I want to put a pin on it here, in that I very much feel like Obi Wan Kenobi is a bait and switch show. Like I, I 
Yeah, because it's not like Disney's never done that before. Yeah, right. Boba <laughs> <laughs> Fett. <laughs> yeah, because I think, yeah, right, exactly. Boba Fett is about, frankly, other characters than it is yeah, Boba Fett. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, the best, ep- we've said this before, but the best episodes of that series was like the ones that Boba Fett didn't even appear in. Yeah, that were all about Din Djarin, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. or whoever else. Or Luke Skywalker. Right. So you take a, a big name, a big ticket character like Boba Fett, or in the case of Obi-Wan Kenobi, like Obi-Wan, um, but then you end up turning it into a show about Reva. And, well, excuse me. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. So, anyway, I, I am, I do wonder if this is going to be a bait and switch where, okay, like Rogue One was hot, so make a show about a Rogue One character that you can make a show about, which Andor is a character that you could. Um, and K2SO was a big deal. I imagine we're going to get some of that somehow. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be nice if we get like an origin story on that yeah, character. Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of did with the comic book. There was that one shot. That, right. that explained that somewhat explained their you know how they came to be, um, but regardless, I would not be surprised if this turns into the, you know, if this turns into the Mon Mothma show, um, even though it's going to go multiple seasons. Even then, I still think it could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but if you do that, you know, I'm not going to complain. In this case, I'm not going to complain that much. A because I don't have as much invested in the character of Cassian Andor as I do, say, Obi-Wan Kenobi, where if you're going to name the show Obi-Wan, it better be fucking about Obi-Wan. Yeah, but, yeah. But that's... Anyway, we'll put a pin on that. Yeah, Go ahead if you well, got Well, I mean, it's not only that. Like, the, the fact that we have a season two already confirmed is kind of astounding given, like, other than The Mandalorian, they're mm-hmm. not committing to any further seasons of any of these shows. Right. They've been doing yeah, like I don't you think, think acolyte go down the yeah, list. Yeah, we're we not. Don't know. We're not. I don't think we're getting a second season of Obi Wan. I don't think right. we're getting a second season of Boba Fett. Right. I, you know, so. Speaking of acolyte, that's a show that um, should have. There, there should have been a trailer, or there should have been something. And I, I don't think it's that far in development. Even if it was concept art, they should have showed it. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, Disney, you know, like Disney is such a clusterfuck that I don't think. I think they're terrified of showing pre-production anything. They, they, like, when's the last time I saw a real making special? They'll do Disney Gallery, which is crap, because it's just people sitting around a round table. Yeah. You know, they don't really show you the making. Not really. Um, so they're terrified to show you that, because they don't want you to know, like, yeah. just how bad it is. I mean, I... I yeah. I, Disney, Disney Gallery is kind of, I would say, in the terms of a making of special, yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of crap. Not that the... The, the episodes themselves are always crap. I mean, you've got some pretty cool gems out of Dave Filoni, you yeah. know, wax and poetic on right. prequels. Well, I mean, you get Dave Filoni talking, and I don't care what it is. I'm sitting down right. and I'm watching, and, and it's, you know, and basically, you know, it, it's like the it's like in the Bible. It's the little, like the little number next to the verse where you can look <laughs> at the commentary down at the bottom. Like, Dave Filoni is like rabbi commentary for Star Wars. So, right. You know, that's right. fine. Like, I won't complain about that. But at the same time, we haven't had a proper making special, a proper one, in, I, I don't remember the last time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were lucky enough to get, like, a director's commentary out of J.J. Abrams for one of the releases of The Force Awakens on disc. Um, but even that, whatever. I mean, you know. well, you got to admit, there's probably not much of a demand for a making of those movies. No, no, no. I mean, they did that, quote-unquote, making special for uh, Episode Nine. 
you know, for Rise of Skywalker, but that was that was basically like a music video. That wasn't even like really a making special. That was crap. I mean, I don't even know how you could do a making of of that movie, considering how what a you know clusterfuck that production was. Yeah, openly it was because right, they, they right. tell you they were editing on the fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, not 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 just editing, but they were making script adjustments on the fly. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely, and the same deal was happening with. Solo. Like they they had they had a, they had writers, mm-hmm. you know, on staff during filming. Yeah, yeah. That's how bad it was. Yeah. So, I don't ever expect. That. No, I don't even want it. Like I said, I yeah. just I don't think there's the demand there for it. Yeah, but I mean, like I'm thinking about you know the 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 uh, the concept artwork we got to see even in Book of Boba Fett during the end credits as well as the Mandalorian. Like if you made a trailer out of that. Like, I would have been losing my mind without seeing a, a single bit of live action before those shows came out, you know? Um, they should do that sort of thing. You know, just to show that, yes, the ideas are on the table. But they don't, because yeah. they're yeah. fucking morons. So Well, I mean, <laughs> just just look at the, the you know, the uh, Rise of Skywalker, you know, concept art book, which is yeah. just a total <laughs> shit show. Yeah. I mean, and, and we know, because it's all been leaked now, that there was way more concept art right there was a book that there was a book version that supposedly got released in korea that they literally had to pull from the shelves and went and did some book burning right you know i I mean it's crazy yeah so well anyway um i thought there should have been something from uh acolyte because this is it's just going to be such a big deal i think um in joining high republic and the Phantom Menace. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not. I'm not optimistic about this series. Well, I, and I'm pin on that because when it comes to what we've gotten from Obi Wan, I, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not excited for much of anything outside of whatever is, you know, coming out of uh, John Favreau's ass. Right. Uh, so, anyway, um, <laughs> asking about excitement though. Here's something I might be excited for. Uh, Bad Batch Season 2. We did yeah. get a trailer for this. Again, more of a teaser. Uh, only a minute minute and 13 seconds long. I mean, we got practically nothing. Right. What are your thoughts on the, the Bad Batch Season 2 trailer? I mean, they're just really cementing this series as A-Team in space. Yeah. Which, I again, as I said from the beginning, I've have, I have no complaints about right, that. Right, right. Um, the A-Team is one of my favorite shows of all time. Easily right. in my top ten. So. I mean, the only thing in that trailer that kind of made me go, ooh, was the fact that we saw that the uh, the Wookiee Padawan from the Clone Wars survived. Oh, lightsabers out. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. That was really, really cool. Um, do you? Let me ask you this. This is just a question that popped to my mind. Um, because this is the same thing, where it's a little light on content. Right. <laughs> like, you don't know really what's going to happen. No. Sure, what they showed looked exciting like the Wookiee. Uh, but how do you feel about, because this is going to come up during the Obi-Wan conversation, I think. How do you feel about there being actually so many Jedi uh, really still around after the Purge, you know, and, and after, you know, and, and during the time of the Galactic Empire? As to where I feel like 20 years ago, we essentially thought, okay, you know, Luke is, or Obi-Wan and Luke are two of a kind. You know, there there aren't, there really aren't any other Jedi out there. It's funny you used that word. What's that? Purge, because there was a series of comics put out by Dark Horse Comics called Purge. Right, right. Well, I think, I mean, yeah, and 
but like the idea of the Jedi purge, I think that might be kind of an official term. Like you have purge troopers, right? Right. From Fallen Order. Right. Um, that are canon now. In right. fact, we saw them in Obi Wan, which is right. great. Uh, I think they have a great look. Um, but I mean, but but how do you feel about like there again? There being so many Jedi now. You know, I I I guess I've become comfortable with it. I think I think Rebels established. That is a possibility. Kanan Jarrus. Right, and, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think they've established that. And and they even, you know, put a pin on that, but we're, we're, we're going to dis- discuss something from, from Obi-Wan. Uh-huh. Kind Does of, it begin with a Q? No, uh, okay. no, no, but we'll I mean, get to that. yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But I mean, um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> but... Well, anyway, but I mean, how do you feel about it? Like you said, you're comfortable with it? Yeah, I'm comfortable with it. Okay. It doesn't bother me at this point. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm... A part of me, actually, it it, change, it definitely changes things for me. You know, because now, really, Luke isn't as special. Um, but I do feel like he's special in a different way now. Because effectively, like, you have all of these other Jedi that really are still out there. You know, Luke isn't that unique, nor is Obi-Wan. Um, Maybe by the time of A New Hope, they're a little more rare, and we're just experiencing characters that all have to die at some point between now and the time of A New Hope. Yeah, I do think that by, you know, the the time of, like, Return of the Jedi, Mm -hmm. they're, they're probably largely gone or all deep underground and in hiding and Mm -hmm. all you know like you (laughs) traumatized and messed up you know like they're they're, they're either dead or not they're not willing to to stick their necks out there because the uh you know darth vader and the inquisitories have done such a good job of yeah hunting people down yeah well so i i think and, and and how i think it becomes more special you know is and especially if either happened where they've just like went underground, you know, put their heads in the sand, whatever. Luke ends up becoming what the Jedi should have been, and they they lost their way in even in The Phantom Menace. Um, Because if they're all, like, hiding and just scared to death, Luke is the one who's out there being so courageous and, you know, again, fulfilling more of what the Jedi perhaps should have been. Yeah. Yeah. but so, still falling into some of the old traps if we go by... At times. Yeah, you know, like that, that bullshit decision he put to Grogu of... Oh, you know, yeah. Choosing between, you know, the lightsaber and, and the, the Mandalorian armor. Yeah, still still making mistakes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, like, it puts him in an even more special class of, say, Kanan Jarrus, of Ahsoka Tano, you know, where, okay, no, we're the ones that are still going to be out there and doing what we have to do. Right. Um, and... And I, I dig that. Uh, and, and in fact, I'm even more, frankly, I'm even more excited now for the character of Ezra. Um, his potential return. Right. I don't even think it's potential now. I, I think it's more or less confirmed. Um, and see what he does. Right. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm hoping he's the one that carries on the Jedi Order, ultimately. Uh, you know, considering what happens at, well, who, who knows? Like, because where is he during Episode Nine? You know, right. And right. Well, I mean, you know, the the the, the running theory is, is that, you know, the, the space whales took him and Thrawn out into the unknown regions. Right. Which, right. you know, they could have been embroiled in matters out there that we're not even aware of yeah. for like, you know, however long. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but I do think that's interesting. Um, I and and something that just occurred to me is you know, what if, you know, Ezra comes back and ends up being, the, the one that trains, um, Kanan's son, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would love that. I mean, I, I think it'd be, you know, we're, we're certainly veering way off a of bad bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think it'd be awesome. I mean, one of the ways to really, another way to heal post-episode 9, you know, and heal the bullshit story they created, uh, I would have, like, basically just transpose the Jedi versus the Empire, transpose that to wherever the hell the Purgles took, is that what they call it, the Space yeah. Wheels? Mm-hmm. Just transpose that to whatever part of the galaxy they happen to be in. Thrawn's running an empire out there, like right. the Hand of Thrawn. Right. And, um, or like uh, Baron Fell's empire, whatever. And have that versus Ezra's, like, all these Jedi that he trained out there. And then have them come back, you know, to to the core. And, go ahead. I'll do you even one better. Yeah, sure. You have a three-way going between, you know, the Chiss Empire. Yeah. And whatever Ezra's going on. Right. And the Sith Eternal. Oh, that'd be phenomenal. But, like, you know, have have Ezra and, like, I'd love it if, like, Ezra and Rey, and I'm really, I'm fine with Rey coming back, even if, uh, <laughs> what's her name, won't come back. Yeah, Daisy Ridley. <laughs> even yeah. if Daisy Ridley won't come back. Yeah, right. But I'm totally fine with, like, there being, like, Rey and uh, Ezra, you know, like, like starting this new Jedi Order, essentially, um, even beyond where Luke screwed up. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. think that'd be phenomenal. Well, I've had my own theory about that. I mean, I I don't even think... I think to a certain degree, they are going to follow through with, you know, Luke kind of you know, saying uh, that, you know, it's time for the Jedi to end. Mm-hmm. I, I My theory is, is that going forward is, is that Skywalker is going to become not so much a name, but a title. Like it is in the Just Ascendancy. Yeah. Because it is a title in the Just right, Ascendancy. Right, right. That's interesting. Right. That's very interesting. Okay. Wow. Uh, and my... that way I think you could be a have people, you know, it's, it's not such a big deal that Ray takes on the name Skywalker because mm-hmm. it becomes more of a title if you're using that to replace the Jedi because they saw that that model of doing things yeah. was broken and didn't work. Yeah. So they need to start with something new. So why not have the Order of the Skywalkers? Yeah, even, like, get rid of the term, like, Jedi Master. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And just have it be Skywalker. That, what a legacy that would make. I would love that. Um, wow, that's a great idea. Million dollar ideas here from Rob, as always, uh, on this show. And, well, we'll see if Disney's listening. But anyway, <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. So, uh, well, let's bring it back to Bad Batch quick. Um, unless you got more you want to extrapolate on with that. Because that's getting into the Ahsoka show, which I know there were some yeah. announcements around that with, right. um, at, you know, at Celebration. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, we also got the announcement of a new show, um, Tales of the Jedi. Right. Yes, that's true. That's true. Maybe yeah. some of that, we'll, we'll we'll get into that as we get more details and maybe get rid yeah. of those trailers. Yeah, on. like we don't have much to go on there other than it's going to be sort of like a, a, you know, a montage mm-hmm. sort of show where it's not like... Oh, uh, it's more anthology? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a Twilight Zone. Right, yeah. right. Okay, well, I could dig that as long as we get Nomi Sunrider somewhere. I'm, uh, I'm good. But anyway. yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, from what I understood, it was going to be actually concentrating on the Jedi from like the uh, pre-Clone Wars era. Oh, so it'd be more closer to High Republic. I'm the, the, the well. There's supposed to be an episode about you know like 
baby Ahsoka. Oh, okay. And so we're talking, Phantom you know, Menace. yeah, yeah. So you're, yeah, either Phantom Menace or pre-Phantom Menace. Yeah. Okay. I can dig. I, I, I can get behind that. All right. Well, so let's bring, well, if, you, if we're good, let's bring it back to Bad Batch quick. Right. And then we'll, we'll get into Obi-Wan here. And I think there's a question that we have that we're going to have to get into. And we actually have an awesome fan production to talk about as well. Right. Uh, but we'll get into that as we go along. Um, so with Bad Batch, so with these trailers, not really revealing much. Now, I mean, I don't know how involved Filoni is with Bad Batch. Um, in my opinion, I don't think Filoni is, seems to be involved at all with Andor or Obi-Wan, really. And I, I don't know. Yeah, how... it's not really part of what we would call the Filoni-verse. Right, right. Part of this, like, slightly post-Return of the Jedi era. Right, right. Um, but anyway, here's, here's the thought that's coming out for me, and this will probably lead into our conversation around Obi-Wan. And that is, knowing what I know of Disney, I had the... Uh, I want to be careful with my terms, but I'm going to use unfortunate just for the sake of the conversation. I had the unfortunate opportunity to experience a lot of Disney content from like from the like the mid aughts, you know, from like 2005 up mm-hmm. until about until about when I moved to New Hampshire. So I had like five, six, seven years, something like that, of experiencing Disney shows, and we're talking about Hannah Montana. You know, high school musical movies. Oh, wow. Wizards of Ways really place. All this bullshit. Okay. Yeah, that, so I've seen none of that. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. So so I experienced all this crap. <laughs> <laughs> and here, here's, here's, here's what I effectively learned. And I didn't realize it until, like, I was kind of analyzing, like, what the fuck is Disney doing with Star Wars? Disney does not really, like, they don't know how to make genuinely deep material like they know how to make fluffy and and this thought just kind of struck me earlier today actually so it's not exactly fully formed but i want to bring it up like they know how to make something where okay you know something kind of occurs but then nothing actually really changes and nothing actually really matters like you know you watch episodes of hannah montana wizards of waverly place or whatever and if ellen was here i'm sure she could confirm some of this stuff because she got tortured with it as well if i remember but i i feel i feel like star wars is going through this as well not just on live action shows but also in cartoons comics book and books where yeah, things are happening, but nothing's really happening. Like, nothing really Well, matters. we've talked about this for a long right. time, you know, kind of like it, it, right from the, the, the opening gates of mm. the, you know, the new continuity with the books. Yeah. And we're saying, you know, none of this has the scope of a Thrawn trilogy right. or anything like that where, like, events happen that actually change yeah. the scope and shape of the Star Wars universe. Right. There's there's nothing of consequence yeah. right. in it. Right. Now, Disney are masters of making shows, making content that has no consequence, but is still wildly popular and has fans. Like, they're just masters of this, because that's basically what they've done most of their existence. Yeah. You know, the last time they tried to make something of consequence, I want to say it was like maybe the Black Cauldron, and that almost bankrupted the company in the 80s. Um, So... Like I'm actually really like the, the, when when this when this clicked for me, I was actually really terrified, because all I can think is, holy shit, 
Like, you know, they're just going by how they have made content for decades. Yeah, yeah. And that's not going to change because it's actually successful for them. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I've I've noticed this myself, um, and and I'm going to... Maybe this is another Robism, but it's sure. it's, it's sci-fi fast food. It mm-hmm. can taste really fucking good. Yeah, but is it good for you? Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, I've I've that term has been applied actually to Star Wars in the seventies, um, where they call it fast food science fiction. Yeah. And I remember specifically actually it being applied by Harlan Ellison to the movie Independence Day. So here's the thing. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so here's... And I love that movie. I, I know. fucking love it. I know. All right. So here, here's here's the thing. Fast food science... Like, fast food, as somebody who is also... Uh, sadly, I, I don't... I was an artisan of, of fast food. We'll put it that way. I have a long history in fast food, but I'm not going to... We're not going to go into that here. Um, I just understand it super well. So here's the thing. Fast food relies upon the odd, right? It's like the strange flavored Dorito. You're only going to buy it once, and so they only release it for a limited time anyway because it's all about the novelty. That's what sells it to you is the novelty. Fast food wholly relies on, like, like think of the McRib, okay? The McRib sells like gangbusters. Why? Because it's not always available. It's yeah. not always yeah. out there. So, And fast food thrives on these, like, r- rare things, like Wendy's with the bacon mushroom milk. Um, Star Wars, here's the problem. Like, I think your assessment is totally right. It is sci-fi fast food. That is a perfect description of what's going on with Star Wars, certainly right now. Um, I would not say Episode One or, like, the prequel trilogy was not sci-fi fast food. I'd say it was quite the opposite, more so than anything else. What do you What do you think about that okay. statement? So, so going back to what you were talking about before, I think, yeah. I think you know, if you talk about uh, Star Wars in the 1980s, yeah. you know, ending with Return of the Jedi, yeah. I can see how Harlan or somebody else could, you know, define Star Wars as sci-fi fast food. Yeah, yeah. But we've talked about this many times before, and really where we fell in love with Star Wars is when they started deepening the universe with the expanded universe, yes. with the RPG books, yes. with the games, the Everything comic books. The yeah, every, exactly. Yes. Exactly. And that's really what changed it into not fast food. Right. Okay. Perfect. Yes. Um so, but this this is sci-fi fast food, and the problem is, is that, like Star, it's okay for Star Wars to be sci-fi fast food, but when there's so goddamn much of it, it it loses that McRib quality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and well, so that's the funny thing about yeah. it too, because you talk about novelty, mm-hmm. but the other thing fast food, oddly enough, depends on is a kind of nostalgia and yeah. like addiction yeah. to a particular flavor or something like like yeah, yeah. McRibs like they, they only come out with these you know every so often mm-hmm. but it's something that people have like the taste is ingrained in their memory from childhood yes and so when it does come out people go oh god I want more of that yeah yeah nostalgia's totally mixed in you're yeah. absolutely right right. Um, right and that's the same thing Star Wars is depending on here too right but Again, the problem is there's so much Star Wars, and it's still being made in fast food fashion. Right. That uh, you end up hating it, you know? Yeah. And you're just like, well, I never want to go to Wendy's again, or I never want to go to McDonald's again, right. or whatever, you right. know? Um, and, and so that's a problem, but that's that's the MO Disney's operating under. So you, it's a great analogy, Rob. I mean, you're, I think you're, you're, you're totally right. Um, 
again, I am now for me that's not like a carte blanche, uh, or what's the term I'm looking for? Whatever. It's rebuke. Not, yeah, it's not. It's not, yeah, it's not like a blanket rebuke of all fast food science fiction. There's lots of fast food science fiction I love. There's fast food movies, quote unquote, that I love. Right. Um, but you have to keep them rare. You know, like you can't build an entire franchise on that model. Right. Um, eventually it's going to bite you in the ass, you know. Uh, so Well, we're seeing some of that. We are. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, so I guess let's go ahead and, and get right into Obi-Wan. Yep. Is this fast food science fiction, Rob? Oh, hardcore. <laughs> I mean... Hardcore. <laughs> we're four episodes deep. Okay. And, and so you're saying hardcore. This, this, this is the Big Mac of Star Wars <laughs> fast food. Obi-Wan is the Big Mac. It doesn't even taste good. No, no, no. That Thousand Islands dressing, like, no. it, it's yeah. not enough to highlight I, no, it. No, not yeah, at all. Obi-Wan is the Thousand Island. He is the secret sauce of the Big Mac, and it's yeah. just not happening. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on that. I, I th- Actually, like, I'll, I'll say this just outright. And I don't think we need to do a breakdown of episode for episode. No. Um, Overall, this is an incredibly poorly written show, um, and in my opinion. And not only that, like when you look in the credits, some of these episodes, there's like four, five, six writers. And I'm like, why? You know, and, and that scares me because something like this, a six episode miniseries, needs vision. Yep. You can't have vision with that many writers. Well, especially when you're dealing with, you know, the staple characters of the franchise yeah. like Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and Leia. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't even know like where to start with this because there's there's so, mu- there's so much to say. Um, I, I guess let's try and break it down quickly and then we can get it more overarching but let's like break it down by the numbers. Um, Deborah Chow is directing here. That initially excited us. Yes. Okay, because she did a great job on Mandalorian. Right, yeah, that, what was it, season one, like, episode two or three was just yes. phenomenal. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I don't think the direction, I don't really have a problem with that. Like, yeah. I, I think she's doing fine on that end. Yeah, that's the writing. Yeah, it's and the I writing. Was, and I was worried about this to begin with because, mm-hmm. um, you know, there were news stories, confirmed news stories came out that, you know, they had delayed production of this show because basically they had replaced all the writers and started over from scratch yeah i'd love to see what those what that previous story was yeah right i mean like how much worse or better could have it been right so you know i'm i'm really wondering like who's the showrunner here you know like i say i mean we have the director you know we have deborah chow the writing um i mean the writing team seems massive on this which i don't recall episodes of mandalorian having like multiple writers um so I'm I'm really wondering like like whose baby is this? Is it Deborah Chow's? Like who's really calling the shots? Who's the person? I mean, I'm ultimately it's Kathleen Kennedy who said, "Hey, that previous writing team that we fired, like whose call was that?" And you know, who's decided? It's a good question. Yeah, I, I really have no idea. I mean, it it definitely seems like this is a production that could have have a case of too many cooks. Yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Um, but Deborah Chow's directing is fine. Um, I guess let's get into, let's talk about the actors a bit. Um, Ewan McGregor, how do you feel about his comeback? I mean, yeah, he still does a good Obi-Wan. Sure. Um, I think he's, he's, 
I expected him to be, you know, different from the the prequel Obi Wan, but at the yeah. same time, I I wasn't expecting him to be like this rundown. Yeah, because he doesn't seem to have lost a lick in the New Hope, uh, yeah. other than being old. Yeah, you know, right? Um, he's or still... even in, you know in Rebels, I right? Mean, he's, when he, he takes was... on Maul, right? Yeah, exactly. Good point. Um, it's strange. Yeah, like I don't. I was not expecting. Same with you. I was not expecting him to be yeah. this run down. Although, referencing that that Maul, you know, fight in Rebels. Yeah. Um, oh, we made we made fun of Obi Wan. Shit, the cops are coming. <laughs> <laughs> but, Lucasfilm sent us. Yeah. But there's something that Obi Wan Obi Wan says in that in that fight where you know Maul says, you know, look what you've become, mm-hmm. and and Obi Wan says, look what I've overcome. Yeah. So I mean, you know, there's. I feel like there's room for there for like you know Obi Wan having mm-hmm. some sort of you know fall and redemption arc. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, oof, I mean, that's getting into more of the story, or we're, we'll be getting into more of the story. I think we can kind of hold on that. Uh, I mean, I, I think Hugh McGregor is doing a fine job for what he's told to do. Right. You know, he's a great actor. Right. Um, I rarely want to blame. We'll talk about some of the other actors. I rarely want to blame the actor uh, because ultimately it comes down to what, are the, what is the producer, what is the writer, what is the director or writers, or what does the director want. Um, they're the people who call those shots. The, the actors just kind of deliver on that. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm going to change my mind a little bit on that in a second or, or kind of bend that rule. But, yeah, I thought Ewan McGregor was, was doing great. Um, Soon Kang being in this who is best known as Han from, not the Solo movie, but from uh, The Fast and Furious. Yeah. Um, he's playing fifth brother in this, which it's cool to have him as a live-action character now yeah. after his you know role in Rebels. Unfortunately, he looks nothing like the character in Rebels. No, he does not. They didn't even, like, they didn't do coded Asian in, in Rebels no, either. No, So, I mean, it's weird. The guy was kind of a beefcake. Yes. Yeah. In Rebels. Yeah. Uh and kind of a, kind of an idiot, and he is not right. That in yeah, this. no, yeah, he's way more ambitious. Yeah. Whereas, like you know, he seemed to be playing you know uh, uh, second fiddle to uh, was it I forget the name of the the one that Sarah Michelle Gellar played. Oh, Ninth Sister. Ninth Sister. Yeah, yes. he seemed to be playing second fiddle to Ninth Sister in Rebels. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, I'm disappointed. Like this Where is would she? yeah where, where's ninth sister uh-huh. like and sarah michelle geller you already have her husband freddie prince jr doing tons of shit in this that's probably why she even got the role in rebels which i mean she's she's you know buffy the vampire slayer i mean yeah. great actress this could have brought in a, a huge fan base if you if you brought her in live action i don't know why they didn't do that yeah. I, I think that's a strange and because they they do have a female inquisitor it's just not ninth sister yeah uh, well they actually have two female inquisitors we'll get to the other one in a minute um but. I, there's there's a lot of decisions like this show mm-hmm. i mean let, let's just go ahead and say it like why the fuck did they need, didn't they get jason isaacs to reprise yeah. his role as the grand inquisitor yeah i mean what do you think of like I, I agree not that rupert friend necessarily is doing a bad job as the grand inquisitor in this but he's not jason he's not, isaacs he, and he's not I don't, I don't i wouldn't even say he's doing a great job i mean mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry but like you know, he did an interview, and he's another one of these people who seems to think their superpower has is not watching Star Wars. Oh yeah, because he he said he specifically avoided any of the content from Rebels when that character, uh, you know, appeared before. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry, I don't know. 
how you view that as being able to help you in your role. Which is the exact opposite of what Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor right. did. They specifically came out and said, no, we went back and we watched. We wanted to know. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I feel like I can see some of... Uh, was that Stanton that did the voice of... I think it was Stephen Stanton that did the voice of Obi-Wan in Clone Wars. Um, yeah. And, and I, I feel like we're getting some of that some of that flourish. Mm -hmm. Stanton has a style um, for Obi-Wan that's kind of unique. And I, I, yeah, I really feel like we're getting that in this. And so I think Ewan, this is another area where Ewan McGregor is totally delivering in this show um, as an actor and, you know, and giving a shit uh, overall. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's preposterous that someone says, well, you know, okay, this character existed before, but I, I don't even want to know. I don't want to see how they did it because I want to bring, I guess, maybe their style to it but that's an insult to the franchise right you know and in many ways to the fans right um i guess uh, i want to get to the elephant in the room but let, let, let's go down the list a little bit more so we did get more of uh uncle owen right played yeah. by joel edgerton and that was good he was good yeah was very good yeah for somebody who had a bit part he came in like he's the biggest thing in the franchise and and i thought it was awesome and he put i thought he put obi-wan in his place oh did he? yeah he smoked him yeah it was great it was great uh i i was i was shocked at how good he was uh you know um definitely one of the highlights of, of this series yeah i mean I'll, I'll i'll say this episode one and episode two of obi-wan i was like oh this is this could be a pretty cool show. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I was feeling very yeah. hopeful. Yeah, I, I feel like the first episode was, you know, uh, a little slow and hitting its pace. But mm -hmm. by the second episode, yeah, I was feeling the same. Like, you know, okay, this is going somewhere. Right. Um, speaking of those episodes, we did get more of Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Smith's as Bail Organa. Yeah. Um, I thought he was awesome. Jimmy Smith is always awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, he really, I mean, you could tell. I mean, I, I've loved him since the 80s when he was doing that show, L.A. Law. Or wait. Was he in L.A. Law? Yeah. He was in NYPD Blue. Yeah. Did he did L.A. Law before? Yep. I didn't I didn't even realize that. Yep. I remember from NYPD Blue. But he's, yeah, you're right. He's always been great. Yeah. Um, just just an awesome guy. I mean, his return in Rogue One was fucking epic. Uh, and to have it here, have him here in Obi-Wan as well. Yeah, you talk about a guy who doesn't age. Yeah. Well, I wondered if they did a little de-aging tech on him. Yeah, you think for, so? Yeah, because he looked, which is kind of around the eyes. Hmm. He, it looked a little, I don't know, but... It doesn't matter. He was phenomenal. Right. Um, and I hope we get more of him. And he's another person who really took Obi-Wan to task, and I was glad for it. Uh, I thought that was so cool. Um, and then, of course, you know, why is Bail Organa here? Well, it's because we are also joined by, surprise, Leia Organa. Right. Uh, as basically, what, like a barely a 10-year-old? Yeah. Um, and uh, the actress, that being uh, Vivian Lyra Blair... This has been a controversial choice, uh, apparently, within the fandom. Uh, I cannot imagine I, why. What do you neither, got? No, neither can I. I, I. I think she's doing a great job as sure. Leia. I mean, she's got the attitude. Yep. She seems wise beyond her years. Yes, she does. Um, and honestly, like, if, if you're angry at a 10-year-old on television, seek therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is the perfect response. Yeah, because there's a lot of people complaining, saying, oh, she's not, she's not, you know, delivering, she's not this, whatever. Whatever. Uh, I, I don't get it. Like, I, no. I think she's doing fine. Okay, she's not like a, a, a super young Drew Barrymore or Haley Joel Osment or whatever. I don't know. But 
she's a fine actress. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, and, and is totally believable. I've had no problem, A, with Leia Organa being in this. In fact, I I was wondering this whole time, like, what's the thing that can get Obi-Wan off of Tatooine and away from Luke Skywalker? Right. Well, honestly, there's only one thing, and that's his sister. Right. And so... <laughs> I was like, well, of course, this is exactly what they had to do. So kudos at least there on the writing team, on Disney, for they came up with the most logical option of what could get Obi-Wan off of yeah. Tatooine. I, I somehow feel that like if we were able to compare the old scripts with the ones that we have mm-hmm. in the show, that would probably be the one consistent factor. Yes, yeah, because, it, it, yeah, again, logically, it's just about the only thing you could do. Um, because a revenge plot, would make no sense. No. You know, against like a, like a revenge plot against Maul or something like that. Yeah. Like that really wouldn't make sense and would, frankly, like shit on George Lucas even harder than Disney already well, has. Shit on, on, you know, his later appearance in Rebels. Right. Because he, you know, we know he's been hunting for him for a very long time, you know, since the Clone Wars. So, you know, just kind of like reintroducing that factor and rehashing this all over again yeah. is superfluous. Yeah, you know, you know, you say that and it made me think of something. It's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever heard by one of the most beautiful men I've ever known. Not personally, unfortunately, as much as I'd love to. That being Sam Whitworth. Um, I mean, beautiful man. <laughs> In every fucking way. <laughs> Whew, uh, <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> Turn that air conditioner up. No. <laughs> um, but Sam Whitworth gave this, he was like at a convention or something. And he gave this explanation of, you know, when Maul dies in Star Wars Rebels, and he's, you know, uh, uh, killed by, uh, by Obi-Wan. And he gives this description of the power of that moment, not for Maul, but for Obi-Wan, in that Tatooine was Obi-Wan's last post. Like, this is this Jedi's last post, his last mission. And, I mean, and even now I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Like, it just gives you chills. When, when Sam Witwer is explaining this. And you can hear, like, Filoni and him obviously talked about it, and he's just, like, you know, put, putting it out there. Um, Obi-Wan's, like, lack of skill, frankly, feels contradictory. You know, his lack of skill in the show, Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. feels contradictory to the beautiful explanation that Sam Witwer gave to what Obi-Wan is doing on Tatooine and ultimately what happens with Rebels. Um, I'm not going to say it's contra- I, it's it's not yeah. a contradiction, but it just doesn't feel the same, and I feel like it kind of sullies that moment. What do you got? I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with that because I didn't mention this earlier. I think I think there is room in here, like I said, for a sort of uh, a fallen redemption arc for, for Obi Wan in this time period. Okay. Um, I I think the the events of this show. You know, whether we end up liking it or not in mm-hmm. its, you know, fullness, um, provides Obi-Wan with the kind of, like, kick in the ass that he needed to become that person that we see in A New Hope and in Rebels. Yeah, I could see that. The problem is we only have six episodes. We're four episodes. You're, you're right. You could do that, and it would make sense. That's why I don't want to say it's a contradiction. Um, my, my issue is we're, like, four episodes deep, and I don't think we're getting enough exploration. Like, this... I don't even feel like this is the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. For me, it's like turned into the either Leia show or, worse, the Reva show. Right. And th- th- this 
flows, you know, I'll expand on this more a little later, but this flows into what I think is the real elephant in the room, and that is Moses Ingram, as far as actors in this in this production. Um, her her casting as third sister, and which is her real name is Reba. Um, oh boy, because this is like a powder keg top powder keg topic. Yeah. Okay. I would hope this would be obvious for people who have listened to us for years and years and years. Have listened to me for a decade strong. This has zero to do with racism. Okay, <laughs> like nothing to do with. Like I am not. I don't have a problem with the fact that she's black. Uh, I think it's insane that there are people who still, like, really argue about a casting choice based upon the person's like race. You know. They're out there, I'm sure. Bigots are, of course, still out there. Racism yeah. is still prevalent. I'm not yep. saying it's not. Yep. But I'm just saying, like, don't don't put that on me if I'm going to, if I take issue with this character and the acting of this actress, Moses Ingram. Because this is another person who I think it's abundantly clear she did not watch Star Wars. She didn't just, like, okay, sure, she didn't have a reference to look back on, okay, how should I be act with this character? Like she just has never seen Star Wars because, and I said this from the first episode. Um, like she does not act like a dark side character. Like there is a there is a way that seemingly, especially the Inquisitors, which we have plenty of reference material for, there is a way that like Sith slash dark side slash Imperial characters act. She is not bringing that to the table. No, she, she is. Go ahead. So I'm going to disagree with you a little. Okay, go for it. Um, I do think this has something to do with race, but not in the way that you're thinking about it. Okay. And I really hesitate to bring this up, but unfortunately what she is bringing to the table is kind of an ugly stereotype, and it's not the first time Disney has done this. Nah, nah, yeah, okay. I know where you're going to go, and I agree. Keep going. Um, and, And... the more conspiratorial you know, part of my mind almost mm-hmm. wonders if Disney's doing this on purpose in order to, you know, create, you know, controversy and uh-huh. discussion and basically, you know, it's kind of like... Cheap the, heat. Yeah, marketing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cheap heat, you know, like there's no such thing as bad, you know, bad PR. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, you had, uh, and I can't remember her name, the character in the show Resistance. And um, oh yes, yeah, the 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 who was the the spy for the pirates or whatever? Right? No, 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 no. The 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 mechanic, the the female mechanic that was working on the platform, um, that ends up joining the Empire. Oh yeah, be- well, well, she like ended up being. I I know who you're talking about. Yes, go yeah, ahead. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Um, but she she was basically bringing the 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 same kind of, and I, and I, I hesitate to say, you know, if not stereotype archetype. Yes. Which is you know the, the angry you know person of color. Yeah. Female person of color. Yeah. And and quite frankly, I think if there's any racism going on, it's uh, on Disney's part. Yeah. Or continuing to use that stereotype. Yeah, well, uh, well, let's talk about that for a second, because I think you're completely right. If anyone's being racist, it's not so much the Star Wars fandom, it's Disney themselves. They 
have a horrible history of the way that they treat black characters, frankly, in general, but in Star Wars, it it's bad. Yeah. Um, Lando Calrissian, like, they they have to make, like, you know, him be this, like, sex-hungry, you know, uh, like, whatever, card card-playing smuggler, whatever. Like, they're always making these characters... I don't know, somehow, even if they're like the good guy, they're the bad guy. Yeah. You know, and, and there, there's, a, there's a real problem in that. Um, and they also, you know, they've had like major black female characters before. They had one in Solo. And they touted her initially as such, but then like they just kill her off. Right. Like on the set, not even right. in the script. In which, the is, script which, is a, which is a huge problem in science fiction in general. Yeah, yeah. There, there are videos out there that explore this far better than we can right now. Um, about the racism that Disney has has employed in Star Wars since they took over, um, and and particularly with black characters, they are not treating with respect. Let alone what they did to Kelly Marie Tran. Um, right. I mean, it's hilarious that they're like, "Oh, the fans hated Kelly Marie Tran." Are you kidding me? What did you do to her in Episode Nine? You fucked her. Not you know not yeah yeah not the fans. Yeah right. Well, I mean, the fans initially did have you know a rather kind of sure disgusting response. Sure. To her, sure. Um, but by Disney cutting her role in Episode Nine means they were kowtowing yep. to that segment of the fandom. Yeah, or look what they did to Which John is Boyega. Wrong move. Oh yeah, like. Yeah. And John Boyega came. You know, don't take it from us. John Boyega says, "No, Disney, fuck me." Disney, yeah, like, yeah, Disney no, absolutely. Well, I mean, we said from the very beginning when we were, you know, when you reviewed uh, the Force Awakens, and we had you and I had discussions about this. Is like his character had more potential than any mm-hmm. of the other ones. Mm-hmm. And they just, like, they wasted. It was such wasted potential. Totally dropped the ball. Uh, and and they turned, like, you know, uh, uh, fucking Ryan Johnson, or sorry, Ryan Johnson, um, turned him into the comic relief. You know, basically turned him into Martin Lawrence in the second movie when, yeah. you know, and you gave, like, a fantastic, like, you have this awesome opportunity to comment on like perhaps PTSD or you know the the, the military machine and all mm-hmm. this because here's a guy who broke out of it and what all this means uh, and, and they didn't run with any of it no it's no like, you, you, you fuckheads other yeah, than yeah. Trevorrow was going to right seems, exactly yeah yeah in his script original script for episode 9 but of course maybe that's why Disney's like oh no 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 you're going to treat black characters with respect get out you know what I mean like that that's kind of how it felt um, th- this is at, at the same time we got to talk about Reva more because. Uh, well, I just I just yeah. want to end it by saying yeah. I don't know if this is a conscious decision on the part of the people in Disney, mm-hmm. but whether it is or isn't, it is an actual problem and yes. it needs to be addressed. And it's consistent across multiple productions. And I don't feel like anybody is talking about no. it. No, no. If anything, they're just hiding behind this like. Yeah, they're they're new playing. Story they're, yeah, exactly. Right they're now. playing into the narrative that Disney. And the press is putting out. Right, right. Um, which, again, like I think, in, an easy case can be made for how racist Disney themselves are. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So uh, my, so bringing it back, my complaints about the character of Riva, and the acting of Moses Ingram, uh, you know, has nothing to do with that. It is completely about Star Wars, the tapestry that is Star Wars, and like the the language. Uh, in poetry that is Star Wars. She does not fit in. Not because of any of that. Like, actually, 
as far as I can tell, Moses Ingram is a phenomenal actress. She's amazing, classically trained, the whole thing. But that's the problem. She's bringing that and not Star Wars right. to Star Wars. Like there, there is a way that you you engage Star Wars, and she's not doing that. Yeah. Um, and then you know let, let, let's get the to the other parts here. Like I think this character is just preposterous in that there's somebody who knows that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, no. You know, when when Tarkin and Thrawn, the two most powerful people in the universe next to Palpatine and Vader himself, they can only suspect, but she just knows? Right. Oh, man. I mean, where are the Mary Sue cries here? Like, you know. Why hasn't Vader killed her already? Yeah, how or does he even not knowing know? this? How yeah. does he not know that yeah. she knows? Yeah. Um, like, granted, he didn't kill Thrawn when Thrawn kind of confronted him about this. Um, but, you know, it's Thrawn. Well, the, well it's, <laughs> one, it's Thrawn, and two, that's a case, I think, where, you know, even Vader would have to answer to yes. Daddy, Daddy Palpatine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and it's still one of the best moments in recent Star Wars novels, I think, when, when Thrawn, like, confronts him about it. Right. Um, so, yeah, th- this character... Just and, and again, I'm not blaming Moses Ingram here. Okay, uh, I think Disney made some poor choices, uh, or the writers or whoever made some exceptionally poor choices in this in this case. Um, and you know, I feel like she's a very annoying character. Now, there's an argument to be made that she's meant to be annoying, but well, I mean, we're, we're not, not supposed to like her. Well, right. She's she's a villain, and not only that, like we said, she's she's a villain playing into a kind of terrible archetype yes yes but yeah but also like we only have two more episodes we're not getting enough of wait how the fuck does she know all this shit what is her deal this should have been covered in episode like three yeah yeah out of and six they, yeah well even the most re- epi- recent episode you you get the impression she's playing some sort of game even with vader right right um okay yeah yeah no i i agree with you this character just sucks. Yeah. It's nothing against Moses Ingram. Okay? And I, the only the only problem I have with Moses Ingram is she didn't watch Star Wars before this. Like, that seems right. so abundantly clear. Right. Well, it takes a spec... Like, if you're talking about classically quite, uh, trained actors and actresses, mm-hmm. it takes a special kind of person from that world to, like, do genre films and TV. You know? Yeah. You're talking about an Ian McKellen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, right. See... <laughs> Yeah, see, that's a funny thing, because, like, Christopher Lee can come in, and, and maybe it's just Christopher Lee's yeah, gravitas. Yeah, but, that's, that, like I said, you, you, it takes a special kind of person. I mean... Yeah. Uh, this this was just, yeah, this was just a fail. Like, and, and ultimately, I blame the writers, um, because the, the concept itself is bad from the get-go. The idea that there's an Inquisitor who, who knows... Um, who Vader is like that's just that's asinine and the other problem is this was my initial problem from like episode one of this series was we've seen in the Vader comic how the Inquisitorius got trained Um, she should be like missing an arm she should be like I mean it was brutal what happened with these characters absolutely fucking brutal and there's no way you become an Inquisitor according to the Vader comics without you getting humbled and this gal clearly was not humble. No, she so, 
Go ahead. And, and, and everybody else, you know, even all of her, you know, fellow inquisitors, mm-hmm. you know, talk to her in a manner that, like, they all recognize this woman needs to be taken down a peg or two. Yeah, well, and they're all saying, oh, you're the least of us, which, right. again, falls into this Disney racism. Yeah. You know, which is a massive problem. Um, yeah, to, to me, I mean, I'll just say, to me, she's ruining the show. You know, we need to talk about Darth Vader and how he's presented in this because I think there's problems there too. But honestly, she's like the character. I, I want to be clear: the character of Riva is killing the show. It has nothing to do with race. Has nothing to do with any of that. Like th- this character just makes no sense, uh, in in my opinion. And yeah, there's just everything's wrong about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying this, by the way, to be clear, I'm saying this as somebody who's a fan. Of the Inquisitorious, like I like the idea, um, I like the presentation of it. I thought the Grand Inquisitor's arc in Rebels was fantastic. Uh, you know, like 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 I think it's a cool concept. Um, yeah, so you know, don't think it's like oh because like I hate the villains. Actually, quite the opposite. I love yeah, no. Anybody who watches the show, <laughs> yeah. knows that Brian is you know, um, they're all my favorite characters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Palpatine. Hey, baby. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll call him Daddy. Uh, so, yeah. Um, anyway, so let's talk about Vader a bit. Let's get into that. Uh, how do you feel about how Vader's been treated and presented in this show uh, through these four episodes? I mean, we've only seen him in one episode. Not two, oh, well, three, and four. Okay, I mean, you know, flashes, glimpses, yeah, things okay. like that. Wait, let's say this quick. Episode three was horrible. Of, yeah. Of Obi Wan. Yeah. Like that was bad. Yeah. One, two, and four were okay. Uh, three was really bad. Yeah, I mean, like, about as bad as you can get. You know, like yeah. Rise of Skywalker, bad. Yes. Yep. Completely. You're totally right. You're totally right. Um, despite some cool visuals that happened in it, despite what was supposed to be like this epic fucking battle, here we go, Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader, um, and it was piss poor, and it was, it was in fact, it was dull, Yeah. Uh, in, in my opinion. It was not, it wasn't even well cut. Um, like, well, you want to talk about writing, I mean, where was it? Yeah, right. You know, you had Vader talking throughout the entire fight, and mm-hmm. Obi-Wan says, all he says is, you know, what have you become? And that's it for the entire fight. He <laughs> says nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he could, like, you know, like, I, I don't, I, I don't understand the logic that the writers had for Obi-Wan. You know, it seems like, like, he's scared, but he doesn't run away from Vader. He keeps being drawn to him. Right. And this whole, like, quote, fight with Vader is just, like, he can't make up his mind whether or not he's going to confront Vader or run away from him. Mm-hmm. And, and you get no, like, you didn't really get any explanation. And I don't think there was even enough suggested in the cinematography, which you can do that. You don't have to say it outright. The cinematography can tell a story, you know. But they didn't even do that where, okay, so is he just hoping that he can, like, you know, turn Vader back to the light side? You know, kind of he doesn't off. even try, no, though. No, right. That's, right? that's the thing. Yeah. Like, even if he just said something, it's like, I sense there's still good in you or something like yeah. that. Yeah. That would have given us something, but we have no reason as to why the fuck Obi-Wan is just doing this yeah. and why the, he keeps the, going. The only, the only moment during that fight that ha- I felt like had, like, mm-hmm. any, like, feeling to it was, this, you know, when, when Vader tries to light Obi-Wan in fire, and he's like, you're going to feel what I felt. But yeah. That, like, that, that was, that was quote-unquote cool. Yeah. Okay. Um. But the problem there is, uh, 
people come in to rescue Obi-Wan from the fire. Right. Not a minute before, we see that Vader can actually put out the fire with the Force. So the fire is there by his doing. Yeah, oh yeah, there's there's no logic to it, like I said. Like, there's, there's, there's just no logic to this episode yeah. at all. No, right, because here's like, like, Vader's armor is effectively impenetrable, especially like when you read the comics and everything, he can go in the water with it under incredible pressure. Um, he's been in inside like uh, the stomach of creatures that are breathing fire and whatever else he's been inside of volcanoes and everything yeah. like yeah. this suit is indestructible and you're telling me that that little bit of flame kept him from going and grabbing obi-wan and finishing the deal what right. the fuck was that right i it, mean well i mean just like the one thing that i have liked about what disney has done with vader mm-hmm. is, is that <laughs> we got we got we got the peanut gallery dexter is not happy about vader at all so i've appreciated you know what in the past, what Disney has done with Vader in terms of they've made him just like an utter tank, an unstoppable yes. machine, yes. something to fear again. Yes. I think in the, like in some ways, like we were all kind of disappointed that we didn't get that in um, Revenge of the Sith. We didn't right. get to see, you know, Vader being this this force of terror. Yes. And Disney did do that. They did with it Rogue One. With holy Rogue, shit! Yes. With, yeah, with Rogue. Not only Rogue One, but you know, you think back to the second season of uh, of Rebels. You know, yes. they dropped a chicken walker on him, <laughs> and the guy just cast it off like it was nothing, and kept yes. coming. Here comes Frankenstein's monster. Right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you see, a, like hints of that in this fight, but it's not really there. You're not feeling it. No, he's and weak. like. You know, like I and I love that they they keep bringing James Earl Jones back to do the voice, and he mm-hmm. did fantastic. But it's not, it it doesn't save it. No, no, right. Um, yeah, I have not been impressed with Vader's treatment overall in this. He's not vicious enough. He's not frightening enough. He keeps giving the Reva like chances over yeah. and over again. Yeah. When I was just hoping in Episode Four, when he force starts force choking her, lifts her up into the air. I was just hoping he'd snap her neck. Right. You know, and be like, okay, now that's Vader. Right. I I mean, because, again, and that's the Vader we saw interacting with the Inquisitorius when he's training them in the fucking comic books. Right. And I want to make this point abundantly clear. I'm not making it. Disney is. Everything's canon. You can't say, well, that's in the comic books. No, fuck you. Disney says that's canon. They should live up to that crap, and they're not. Yeah. But that's that's a side subject, I suppose. Is it, though? Well, no, not Because, really. I mean, kids, it's, it's this show, problem. Violating Canon, oh, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Sure. You know, uh, first episode, they kill the Grand Inquisitor. That's yeah. not how he dies. Yeah, right. We know when he dies, and it's much later. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing he's going to come back. He's got to, you know. Well, he's got two episodes to do it, and <laughs> we ain't seeing it. Well, like, that... everybody's, all the other Inquisitors at this point are... are acting like he's dead and gone. Yeah, and they're looking to fill in. Right. Just same with, you know, Fifth Brother or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, like, even Vader says, like, telling people, you give me what I want and you'll be the Grand Inquisitor. Well, yeah, which is weird because if he's just laid up in a hospital bed, like, Vader would know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is so fucked. Isn't it? Well, I wonder if that's going to... See, okay, so then maybe they're going to explain that the Grand Inquisitor, which that would still break canon because in... When we get introduced to the character in the Vader comics, it's definitely the same Grand Inquisitor that's in Rebels. Right. If it was a different Grand Inquisitor, okay, that would make sense why they didn't get Jason Isaacs. Um, 
but then but he, you're still breaking but canon. he's still got the same tattoos he's still yeah. the same power and race yeah you know well that, like, that's the part that's hard to believe like somehow you have two people from Utapau who both become Grand Inquisitor that's right, a stretch right uh, I don't know it's, 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 that, that was just, that, that was them going for their Game of Thrones moment and they have that yeah, fucking actress yeah, also from Game yeah. of Thrones I just keep calling her Game of Thrones lady um God, I'm so tired of that. I, I'm so fucking tired of Hollywood being obsessed with replicating Game of Thrones. Just stop. It, it was lightning in a bottle. It was horrible lightning in a bottle anyway. But stop trying to copy that. Like, they, it was supposed to be a shocking death. They, they were clearly playing... It feels like Disney has to know that. And I don't know what the hell they're doing, though. Like, like there, there's just... It's like we're going to get to the end of Episode 6, and the last five minutes is going to be 10 billion whodunits. Or, you know, whodunit uh, 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 resolutions. And it's all going to be so quick, it's going to feel cheap. Yeah. One of my biggest problems with the show, the pacing's horrible. Like, they're wasting time. You only have six episodes. You're setting up way too much story for those six episodes, and this isn't going to fly. Yeah. Um, Well, here again, this is another problem that, you know, Disney Plus Star Wars shows have had. I mean, you know, like, as bad as the pacing in this is, I'm like, I'm kind of torn as to... Which had the worst pacing, this or the Book of Boba Fett? Yeah, good point. Good point. That's another one. Such a slow starter. And then, you know, everything's just a big explosion at the end, which was not to say it didn't turn out well, but, like, you could have spread all of that amazing stuff over so many episodes. There was no need to, like, have such a slow burn and then just... Well, just in having it all disjointed between yes. flashbacks and the present. Good point. Yeah, the flashbacks should have all been one episode. And right. I, I completely agree. Um yeah, the pacing is super weird in this, uh, and, and it's just not like, the, and there, there's no payoff when it seemed like for the first couple episodes they were really holding off on Obi Wan igniting his lightsaber, which would be an exciting moment, right? They were really holding off on. It looked like they were playing with it, like, oh, is he going to pull out the lightsaber? Oh, is he going to pull out the lightsaber? Like, Deborah Chow seemed to be playing with that as a director, which is great, but then when he finally does. It's nothing. Like, it's treated as nothing. And so, mm-hmm. like, that build-up, there's no payoff in that build-up. And, and that, that disappointed me, um, you know, as well uh, with that. I want to move on to some other, like, let's get into some other quick technicals. Or some, sure. other, some other parts of By the Numbers. And this is one of the, one of the maybe another one of the big problems with the show. The music. Um, what music? You're right. So, you got this gal, Natalie Holt. Who I can't tell... I know she's done a lot of this stuff. But who I can't tell you one goddamn thing she's done other than, like, the Batgirl series. Uh, which, whatever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that shit, too. You know? Uh, well, I have actually, nothing no. to say because I've never seen it. So Well, I, well yeah. So I checked out a couple episodes mm-hmm. because I actually think Ruby Rose is a cool actress um, and was a perfect choice for, for the character uh, of Cassandra Kane or whoever they decided it to be. And anyway, th- there's nothing to speak of there. But my point, you already said it. What music? Like, the music here is completely lackluster. This is easily the worst soundtrack for Star Wars, which is a hard thing to pull off to make a bad Star Wars soundtrack. It's easily the worst uh, Star Wars soundtrack I've heard since Solo. Yeah. Which, again, not that the su- soundtrack for Solo was bad. It just wasn't exciting. Star The music in Star Wars is such an integral part of Star Wars. It's part of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. You cannot let it sit in the background. You can't. It's not background music. The, John Williams is as much a character in Star Wars as 
Luke Skywalker as Han Solo, as Darth Vader, as anything. And in fact, none of those characters would be half of what they are if there wasn't the most you know, grandiose and exciting music you've ever heard in your life as, as what's playing when they go into action. Yeah. Um, and it's not like Disney can't bring in great new Star Wars music, totally new Star Wars music. Ludwig Gordonson brought the house down with the music for The Mandalorian. Right. Um, even Book of Boba Fett had fantastic music. Um, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking here. What do you got? I mean, I I echo everything you've said. I yeah. really, like, I really don't have much to say about the music because it just like, it feels like it's not even there. Which is insane. It's Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Obi Wan fucking Kenobi. Yeah. You know, where's even the where, where's the Force theme? Not once. You know, we we could have used a little bit of it. You know, at some point, like that's how we got introduced to us. Like even the da 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 da. Like if they just played on that, I mean, you know, uh, Hollywood. Um, you know, composers today are actually masters at taking the smallest, like, three, four notes of something, think like, uh, you know, the, the, the Avengers theme, you know, and turning it into the most epic fucking thing you've ever heard in your life. Right. You know, when it was incredibly simple when it was first done. Um, I don't know why they couldn't do that with this. Like, like, yeah. It, it, it seems like it was an afterthought. It's strange. It, it's, it's, it's just weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a fail. Uh, and you can't just like bring in all the bombast in episode six like that. That just people are tired of that. If we're meant to binge watch these things, then let us binge watch them all at once. Right. You know, don't give us, don't keep doing the slow burn shit. I don't, I don't get it. Um, well, I mean, it's to hold on to subscriptions. Yeah, yeah. So you know what's funny? Actually, so the theme music is supposed for the show is supposedly by John Williams. I can't even think of what the theme music is. I have no goddamn idea what the theme it's music is. It's not like it has, like, a big intro or anything. No. Like, <laughs> you know, it's funny. The best music of the series was uh, the the pre-run of, you know, to the first episode where mm-hmm. it showed all the footage from uh, the prequels. Oh, and it's just all that... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's the best music in the entire series. I don't get it. I mean, they're just, they're failing. I'm trying to, like, come up with really nice things to say about this show. And this show, it should have been, this should have been the easiest thing in the world for them to do. And, and here, so, so, I get, let me, let me take it to, to this, I mean, okay, special effects, what is there to say? Everything looks fucking amazing, you know? Like, I have no problem with the effects. How about you, Rob? Oh, yeah, it looks great. Yeah, everything looks great. Every, everything. Yeah. And, and it was yeah. great, you know, seeing the T-47s again. That was phenomenal. Yeah. In episode four. I mean, I don't, and I totally don't mind at all if they're, you know, obviously reusing sets from Mandalorian. Yeah, no no problem here. Um, the, the only thing I, I will say about set design and, like, about some of the special effects, um, I don't, I liked it better in the original trilogy and through most of extraneous material like comic books and whatever else that, like, Imperial... Um, design is very compact. Like, everything is really, really tight. Uh, as to where everything in this is extremely grandiose, and I don't think that that makes sense. Like, the sets for, like, the Inquisitor base and everything, like, are, they're huge. Yeah, but that makes sense because of Fallen Order. I feel like they, they definitely basically copied what was in that game. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yep. Alright, so they're sticking with that. Good. Okay, yeah. so they stuck with it. There you go. Changed my mind. You're you're good on that. Um, the other big problem I had was, I'm about 100% certain a T-47 cannot hover in place. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> that is a repulsor that like that thing it only hovers in place if it's like off, but even then that can't be true because the goddamn thing has landing skids. Yeah. Which get used in the episode. Right. A T forty seven cannot hover in place. Like and and maybe that's just me thinking of like playing Empire Strikes Back on the, the Nintendo or you know, on the NES. Or because I played Shadows of the Empire on the N64 so much, or what? And like, God damn it, if I could just stop the thing, you know, even when I hit the brakes, it still goes. Like, right. You can't. Right. You can't hover in place, but the yeah. fucker hovers in place. The only thing I can think is just like maybe Reva was holding it in place, but if that was the case, why didn't she just fucking crash the thing or throw it well, over? She the, should. Yeah. You know, I well, mean. That that's a whole lot. Yeah. Like like there's that's another thing, a big problem with the show. Like the contradictions and the use of force powers in this are insane. You know, um, like there's a million times where she should have been reading other people's minds, which she can do, which is, I don't mind that. Like, that's something we kind of got introduced with more with uh, Kylo Ren. Right. That's great that that people express their force powers in different ways or they have different force powers compared to others. Nothing wrong with that. That's a long history in Star Wars. Um, But yeah, she should have been able to hold that thing in place or crush it, you know, like right there. Yeah. Uh, That that, that made no sense to me. I I also had the problem with like Obi-Wan, like when he's holding back the water, like the glass from, from like the, essentially this mm-hmm. ocean, just like mm-hmm. crashing in. Uh, size matters not. So like what I'm saying is the, the amount of glass or whatever, or the amount of water, like really shouldn't matter. Like that shouldn't be a struggle because again, if you can lift a rock, you're supposed to be able to lift an X-wing with no difference in exertion. That's like Yoda's whole point. But that I'm nitpicking there. Like that, yeah, that's a real I, I think that kind of just falls into the whole uh, thing in general with Obi Wan mm-hmm. kind of you know losing being rusty. Yeah, being well, not just rusty, but kind of seems like he's he's lost faith in himself. Yeah, and you know this series is supposed to provide him with the kick in the pants to you know get his mojo back. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think there are a lot of other critiques that can be made, and I know plenty of other shows have made as well. I'm sure. Um, one of the main things I'm worried about here uh, that, that I want to get into, unless you have something else you want to comment on any of that. No, I don't think so. All right. I've, I'm worried of one of two things. Both are bad. Uh, one is that this is actually a springboard show for Reva. In fact, there was a tweet from the official Star Wars account that seemed to suggest that. Uh, that this whole series is actually about the character of Reva. And that's where I feel like what I talked about earlier that I want to put a pin on, the bait and switch. Where, okay, give, put make the show about a character that people actually give a shit about, but use it to like create this new character that fits in with some kind of agenda that Disney has. Um, and, and I'm really worried about that, that that's what's going on here. And maybe I wouldn't mind it so much, just like I, I theorized earlier with Andor. Okay, maybe that's exactly what's happening with Andor, and it's actually going to be a Mon Mothma show. The difference being, Mon Mothma is a great character, you know, as to where Reva is not a good character at all. Uh, yeah. And, and well, go ahead. I mean, yeah, I could definitely see that being a possibility. Mm-hmm. But Disney's so fucking fickle that you mm-hmm. know, if if they're putting their finger to the wind and you know they're saying that this is not a popular character, that could fall apart in a minute. Because that's true. The the same thing happened with Solo in the character. Of Emphis Nest. Oh yeah, there's there, there, there was an there was an interview with the the actress. Uh, yep. uh, what was her name? Um, 
it's not coming to me. At I know the what you're talking about there. The yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, uh, I think it's Aaron Kellyman or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. But like, she let it slip that they had future plans for her character. Yes. Well, where is it? Yeah. Which maybe be a surprise thing in Andor, but you're right. It's not there. And so, you're, yeah, if something fails, Disney will just drop it. You right. know, like like a hot potato. Uh, yeah. So there's a chance that that could happen. Um, the other problem, or the you know, the second thing that could happen out of this is that this is some kind of redemption arc for Riva, which, if that's the case, I don't care. I'm so like, tired I of that. I don't have enough of the character. Like, I just don't care. Yeah. You screwed it up with Kylo Ren anyway. But like, yeah. Well, <laughs> they screwed it up with Kylo Ren. Um, you know, they did that whole thing with with in Battlefront 2. Yeah. Where, you know, we we thought we were we were going to be getting a game. Where with Aiden Versio. Yeah, with Aiden Versio, we were playing the Emperor, the, for the Empire majority of the time. And then, like, in, in after the first act, you she's already switched to the Rebellion. And after that, like, I didn't care anymore. Like, yeah. I didn't, you know, like... Yeah, this, we thought we were getting something different. such a predictable, you know, yeah. turn of events. Yeah, yeah. And, and I can, I kind of get, and certainly this, I have critiques of this as well with Obi-Wan, the idea that George Lucas made it very clear that Star Wars is poetry, and poetry is meant to rhyme, and, you know, like, you keep doing similar beats, okay? I get that. But there's similar beats, like Obi-Wan distracting the stormtroopers with a little, you know, force sound... And yeah, making them walk away and not, and not you know what was that or, right you know, just like out of a new hope right well there's even a, even a particular shot mm-hmm. in that episode that is literally just like lifts it right out of a new hope yeah exactly the same exact yes. shot yeah yeah it's of it's of a, it's of a calm <laughs> yeah it's of a right communicator. but uh, I get that okay but again there's a difference between rhyming and you know whole cloth stealing right okay? that, like those are two very different things and look Star Wars has had its redemption arc. It's Anakin Skywalker, and that's the end of it. You keep doing it over and over again. You 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 kill the specialness and uniqueness of Anakin Skywalker's story. Yeah, I kind of feel like they already did that. Yeah, yeah, and I just I think it's fucking rubbish. So they're to they're, do. they're beating a dead horse at right. this point. Right, and if they're doing that with Reva, fuck this shit. Like, right, I, I mean that that bad story idea. Yeah, <laughs> bad character and just bad story idea. Um, so I'm worried about this bait-and-switch trend that seems to be happening with Disney and Star Wars. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's really souring the milk here. So, anyway, beyond that, I don't know how much else I have to say uh, about about Obi-Wan. But that, that's kind of the end point that I'm, I'm very concerned about. But ultimately, I am not really pleased with this show. I'm going to give it its, its chance. Um, but it pales in comparison, even to Book of Boba Fett. It pales, certainly, to The Mandalorian, when, frankly, it should have outshined both of them with ease. Um, and again, we're only four episodes deep. Who knows? Maybe something miraculous can happen in two episodes, but even I mean, then the pacing's wrong. I, I, you know, from a personal level, like, the coolest moment in this entire series thus far mm-hmm. turned out to be a throwaway moment. Which was? Where Obi-Wan arrives on that planet, and he sees what looks like Anakin Skywalker. Not Darth Vader. Oh, that was awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that was new footage with Hayden Christensen. Right. That was great. Yeah, that was, and it was just, it turned out to be a complete throwaway moment. Yeah, yeah. But that was, that was shocking. Like, 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 might. Yeah, yeah, it was arresting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it was arresting. Great, great word. Um, yeah, yeah, that and getting a lot more of Alderaan in live action. We've yeah. gotten it in the books and the comics, but to get it canon in live action was awesome. Yeah. And, and, 
again, Jimmy Smith's as Bail Organa was was great. Getting more of Leia's adoptive mother, Brea, was, yeah. was awesome. Um, which, if you listen to a recent TIE Fighter Renegades, I talked about how the um, the books by E.K. Johnston lately seem to be pointing at that she's going to start writing books more about Brea, um, which is the Queen's Peril trilogy and mm-hmm, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm totally fine with, and I talked about it in that review. People can go back and listen to that episode. Um, so, you know, if, if we're leading in that direction, great. You know, like, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, I think exploring more of Leia's youth, I'm totally cool with that. I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like, you know, that, that you know, little 10-year-old actress, she continued to continue play Leia, like, into yeah. her teenage years. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Um, I think the moments with Owen, with, with Uncle Owen, were, that's some of the best Star Wars I've seen, frankly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that easily would go, like, my top 100 moments in Star Wars would be... You know, Owen Lars just putting Obi-Wan in his place. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I was a little worried. <laughs> I, I'll say this. Like, I'm a little worried, and, and it, I know it's going to happen. Like, we did not need an explanation of the toy T-16 Skyhopper that Luke Skywalker plays with in A New Hope. Yeah. I did not need to know where that came no, from. No, we didn't need it, but, but it's same. I don't think it, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. Yeah, it's just like, it's, oh, come it, on. it's just something Star Wars does now these days. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's like, Midrash, like I've said. You know, that's Star Wars yeah, Midrash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to explain, wait a minute, how did Adam do this? Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, at least it's not, you know, R5 being a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> Funny though, we did get an R five droid in this. Yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same one. No, I don't think. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway, um, there's so there's some good things here, but it's just moments that are good. It's not like the series, and the series really should have been great. Uh, I don't know. Again, I'll, we'll we'll give it its chance with with the next two episodes. So, okay. Um, how about we get into some other things? And we've been going an hour and a half. Um, I'm I'm going to turn to Mrs. Sovereign here. Are we doing okay on time? Are, are we okay? Absolutely. All right, all right. Because, you know, dinner's got to be had here at some point. In fact, I think we're going to be watching some Jurassic Park uh, tonight. We'll see. So, <laughs> anyway, um, did you want to get to that question, or do you want to just bump right into... Well, we can get into it. Let's do it. Let's okay. do it. And then we'll, then we'll, we'll wrap up with fan production. Okay. But, um, okay. Right. So, what's, I don't know what this question is, folks. We did not pre-plan... I mean, Rob pre-planned it, but I did not... I have no <laughs> idea what it is. So he's going to get me flat-footed. Let's do it. So, uh, oh, boy, am I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so I recently got Brian to do something that he begrudgingly agreed to and that he said he was never going to do. Yeah, and but you gave me a stereo system for it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I got him to watch uh, an episode of oh, Strange fuck. New Worlds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know how you didn't see this coming. <laughs> I don't either. I should have known he was going to ask this. God damn it. So we talked about this in private, about your feelings, uh, about what you saw. And, um, yeah, let's 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 air the dirty laundry. All right. So, yeah, so Rob got me to watch, and, and Ellen watched it as well. Um, episode four. The fourth episode, which yes. this is a ten... So, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is all about Captain Pike, post-Discovery Season 2, pre-The Cage? No, wait. No, it's post-The right? Because because he's already been to Talos 4. Um, right. But it it's, it's pre... 
you know, uh, where, where No Man Has Gone Before, pre right. the first episode of the original series. Right. Okay, just for context for those that don't know. So this is a 10-episode series. Um, I think they've already planned a season two. Uh, so, you know, and the reviews for this show from everybody else is, this is the general sentiment, is that I don't know if it's good, but it feels like more like Star Trek should, and so we like it. So basically people are saying this is comfort food. Not fast food, but comfort food. That's the general gist I've gotten. So you had me watch episode four, uh, which, spoiler alerts, they, they encounter the Gorn, and you know, which is interesting, right? Which mm-hmm. more or less we've only ever seen in season four of Enterprise. And, of course, the classic original series episode, Arena. Right. Um, and, and it's Pike encountering them. You had me watch this. Uh, it, and and here, was, here was my response at the end of it. Was, okay, that wasn't bad, you know, which I would say that about every single episode of Discovery and Picard. Um, oh, I would. What? That, I would say that it was bad. Oh, no, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. every single episode of, ultimately, in hindsight, every single episode of Discovery and Picard is bad. Um, anything I ever said nice about those episodes were killed by everything that happened after. Right. Okay. And so I have effectively written off Star Trek, like or new Star Trek. Alex Kurtzman's Star Trek has right. been written off. Right. I still love, you know, everything under the Berman and Roddenberry eras. I still, I genuinely love the Abrams movies. Like I'm still a fan of that trilogy. Uh, but yeah, and anything new I've just completely written off, and I won't watch. But Rob got me to watch it. And so, like I said, my my review ultimately was, yeah, that wasn't bad. I also didn't feel like it was great. But that said, um, I applaud the inclusion of Cadet Uhura. Um, The gal they got playing, you know, like, I can see her becoming Nichelle Nichols. You know what I mean? Right. So I had no problem there. I thought that was great. Um, I like Anson Mount as Pike. He was one of the few things I liked about Discovery yeah. in Season 2. Yeah, I, if I was going to say that there was anything good about Season 2, it was, mm-hmm. it was those few initial episodes with him in it. Yeah. You know, when they got further into it, you know, right. it just turned into shit, as most things New Trek do. Yeah. Um, the bringing in Dr. Mbenga, great choice. Yeah. Great fucking I choice. I agree with you. Yeah, awesome. Um, I think bringing in Nurse Chapel is going a little overboard. Um but she seemed fine, and they made I, character references that made sense. See, I've but. seen more of her in mm-hmm. other episodes, mm-hmm. and I think she's a fantastic character in these mm-hmm. series. She's definitely different than the Nurse Chapel that we see in, in the, the original, original series, series mm-hmm. uh, you know. Um, but I, I, I see where she's becoming that character, and in this one, she's, she's got a little spunk to her, and I kind of like it. Yeah, I see. If I was choosing. I would have I would have brought in either Sulu who you know was aboard the Enterprise kind of early on mm-hmm. um, I would have either brought in Sulu or I would have brought in like a, a, a kind of a I mean what are yeomans that's a question but I would have brought in like a cadet Rand I would have been way more interested in that Yeah, because I feel like Nurse Chapel very much got her due like we got enough of her, but there are characters that I think, like, because in one sense you could say, well, having Chapel in Strange New Worlds gives the character more depth when you see her in the original series. And you can say that. Yeah. Uh, but I would have much rather had that with Rand, who is both a character and actress that frankly got screwed by 
whoever, Desilu, Roddenberry, you know, pick pick the pick the thing. Like, I mean, I was so glad they brought her back for Star Trek VI. So glad that they brought her back even for the episode in Voyager when they mm-hmm. went aboard the Excelsior. Um, I would have. That's who I would have chosen. But that's fine. Like that. That's just me. I didn't expect them to bring in so many characters. I didn't expect them to bring in Uhura. You know. Um, anyway, continuing on, Ethan Peck is Spock. In an abstract, I've always thought he was a great choice. Um, and I thought he did fine in this. As long as it's not the writers from Discovery, he's doing a great job. Um, Rebecca Romaine, awesome, is yeah, number one. Right. No no arguments there. Uh, in fact, admittedly, I'll say this now, I do appreciate that we have two characters effectively both played by Majel Roddenberry <laughs> in the same show. <laughs> right. Which is kind of weird. Yeah. But that's all right. Um, you know, that, that was that's a woman who deserves the credit, I suppose. Um and you know, again, Pike was Pike is is good. Uh, I I thought the navigator, or, or uh, wait, the helmsman. I thought the helmsman, like who, who just has this like chip on her shoulder and bad attitude or whatever. Or no, no, not not the bad attitude. That's the Noonien Singh thing. Yeah, that that gal who, I, I just think that's a dumb idea. But I know there's more to the character, and you've explained that actually like it makes sense and it fits. Um, I don't know. At first blush, to me, it just seems stupid, but. Regardless, that was my initial reaction when yeah. they announced the cast for this show. Uh-huh. So I will agree with you there. Okay. Initially, I felt the same way. Okay. But I have since changed my mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, the I, I think I think somebody like being crass to the captain or talking back to the captain is especially in the original series is preposterous. Like, and and that's annoying to me. Yeah, I, 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 and I can see that. I kind of mm-hmm. feel like that is the show trying to speak to a younger audience. Yeah. Oh no, I, I agree. That is what it is. Yeah. You know, but that's not Star Trek. So anyway, <laughs> that's, okay. <laughs> that's okay. It's it's a minor quibble. Um, I give credit that it did feel episodic. Like I did not need. I didn't really need to know the previous three episodes, nor do I need to know the next six to understand what's going on. Yeah. Or, or to appreciate what I saw. Yeah, and, and I and I'll back that up because I've yeah. seen all five of the episodes that have come out thus far. Yeah, and yeah, it's definitely back to an episodic Star Trek show mm-hmm. where you can watch you know these episodes pretty much in any order. And you're good. And you're good. Yeah. yeah. It's, so it's not so much serialized. No, um, not I mean, at all. References clearly to what happened before. That's fine. Right. Um, but good. So I, I applaud that as well. Um, I wish they do it more, but whatever they're doing it here. Um, Bringing in the Gorn, they got the Gorn ships completely wrong. We know the design of Gorn ships. Whatever. What am I going to do about that? You know what I mean? Um, so, actually, to, to be fair, the Gorn ships really didn't get designed until they, like, remastered the original series. And so that's, like, a whole new concept anyway. Right. That's what I was thinking, yeah. too, is this kind of like, you know, yeah, we have previous designs for Gorn ships, mm-hmm. but have we actually seen them? I guess... No, I guess the remasters are canon, but I mean, I don't yeah. know. They're kind of in a weird space. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I mean, even if the, somebody picked up the Star Trek encyclopedia, which nobody that works at Paramount right now has, um, they'd see it. Right. You know, but that's fine. Um, I, like, that's a minor quibble, again. Uh, I thought some of the things they did with the Gorn were, were pretty cool. Um, the one character that really stood out to me, was, and, and I thought this was awesome, and this is definitely the best thing in the show, like I, I can just say that straight up for multiple reasons, uh, is the, um, you know, the northern the the Anar, 
the, yeah. the, the, in fact, I can't even think of his, his name. The chief engineer. Yeah, he's so he's the chief engineer. He's an ANR. Now, the ANR are this, like, mythical Andorian race, which is awesome in itself, because this is the depth that Star Trek got to in the 90s and in the aughts, was, yeah, we've fully realized the world, we're even exploring the mythologies of other fucking species. That's how far away from humanity we are. And like, fuck yes. It's a great inclusion, because the ANR are only in Enterprise. And any time that show gets respect, I love it. Um, and it's only the fourth season, of course, the great season. Um, and now the ANR are both blind, or are all these things. They're blind, telepathic, and pacifists. Like, they will not, like, in fact, them being pacifists is a major story arc of why they were in Enterprise, uh, because this one ANR has to work with the Romulans. Um, this guy does, delivers phenomenal lines about pacifism. Like, he delivers real philosophy, and that's been the problem with Star Trek, with New Trek, is there's no philosophy. Like, there's no, there's no teaching moments. There's no moral story. You know, like, the best, and it's not even a good thing, the best thing you'd get would be, like, Michael Burnham quoting uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, that, that's not a philosophical treatise, you know? <laughs> but this guy is delivering really insightful stuff, and I loved it. Yeah, this I, is, this is part of it, too. Yeah, I did. This is the part of the reason why I actually wanted you to watch this particular episode Uh was because I felt that not only did it have kind of... I felt like the show, that episode in particular, had a lot of uh, uh, DNA from the Abrams Trek. Yep. But also it had, you know, basically highlighting this character. I think this is where, like, he's pretty awesome from the moment you meet him. Yes. But I feel like this episode did, like, the best job of, like, highlighting his character. Yes. Yeah, so I feel like there's enough original series references in it. There was enough attention to some canon, anyway. Um, even, like, Uhura working with the chief engineer, I thought was really great because that explains her, perhaps, her affection to Scotty. Right. You know, later on. Um, but then these teaching moments during crises is very next-gen. Part of what made next-gen great. Right. You know? is like what is Picard teaching the kids when they're all singing Frere Jaca going up the up the turbo lift, right. you know? and you're getting that in this and I'm like yes thank you you know uh, and then yeah you you do at the same time you still have that J.J. Abrams styling which again I don't mind yeah you know uh, so there's a lot to like here admittedly you know but also it's just got the problem it has a massive hill to overcome to climb and that hill is Discovery and Picard and Lower Decks and all the crap, you know, that has just been pouring like a waterfall out of out of Alex Kurtzman's ass. You know, I mean, there's just so much that, you know, even even if Strange New Worlds is, is an incredible raft to ride, you know, that tide of shit in. Yeah. It's, no, it's I, still a tide of shit. I, 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 you know, I completely agree with you because, you know, and, and I have, you know, put myself through more suffering than you have because I continue to watch Discovery and Picard. And you give me crap for listening to Star, Star Wars audiobooks. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I do not give you crap for, for okay, maybe I do a little. But, but, like, I've never said that I have to watch Discovery and Picard. I know I don't have to. Yeah, yeah. I just keep on telling you that you don't have to do these things. Yeah. Even yeah. though you feel that you do. There's nobody yeah. pointing a gun at your head and making right. you listen to every single Star Wars audiobook yeah. and reading every single Star Wars comic book. Yeah, but you you still watch Discovery. And you watched did you watch the entire season two of Picard? I did, I did. And how was that? 
it started out really good and uh-huh. then it fucking nosedive hard. Right. So I'm sitting here thinking you're more into BDSM than I am. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm baffled by this. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I'm just, I'm not ready to give up on Star Trek yet. I, I'm, not, I'm just not with you, man. I, I, like, I know, I know, I know you're not. And I kind of like, the and the first time that I see like a little bit of glimmer of hope, I like, okay, I want Brian to see this. I want I want Brian to see the spark of hope that I do. Mm-hmm. And maybe that, you know, there is a future, you know, for Star Trek somewhere out there going forward that we can both enjoy. Yeah, see, t- to me, like maybe when this is all said and done, 10 episodes out there, I'll binge watch this thing. And I've even argued that, well, except for Picard, I've even argued that like Discovery might even be an okay show, if you, um, you know, if you binge watch it, you know, like the the, the the episode of the week just doesn't work for yeah, these shows. It, okay, it's questionable, but sure. Yeah, I might watch it and I might even enjoy it, but boy, I'll tell you, it'll never be in my head canon, and it'll it'll just never be canon to me. And Star Trek, part of what makes Star Trek so powerful is its internal consistency. I'm not saying it's perfect; it's not, with its you know, it has plenty of contradictions. They've done that a billion times over, especially with Enterprise. Um, but it's, it's just never going to be a part of that picture. Uh, and and if it's not a part of the picture that is Star Trek, like, to me, it's, well, then why bother? You know? Um, but, I again, I will say that, you know, at the same time, like, I'm going to quote this episode the rest of my life. So I'm still thankful that you showed it to me. Um and I mean, I don't know if you want to do a quick defense of the sh- of the series so far, you know. Uh, maybe we've already done that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get too deep into it. Sure. I have at least enjoyed the show. Yeah. Whereas I can't necessarily say that about Discovery or Picard. Uh-huh. Because I mean, yeah, admittedly, those have been exercises in self-flagellation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I thus far. Um, this series, we're five episodes in, and I'm still enjoying it, and that's farther than any recent Trek yeah. has ever gotten and held my attention. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> Ellen, you, you, you want to you jump in really fast? What did, you, what did you think of it? I'm sorry, what did I think of what? What did you think of that episode of, uh, of Strange New Worlds, Star Trek Strange New Worlds? Yeah, um, I think we talked about this the other night, and basically what I said was, like, it's very familiar in certain ways, mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, good ways, the ways that Star Trek is supposed to be. Um, there were some characters that I felt like didn't exactly fit in, like you were saying, you know, giving sass to the captain, I don't think that, that would have passed with yeah, other no. captains. That's uh, what they make airlocks for. Okay, this is the USS Enterprise, not the ISS Enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) I I can just hear Picard saying, like, may I see you in my ready room? Yeah, right, (laughs) yeah, yeah. exactly. And then he, like, you know, gives him the smackdown privately. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I, I thought, again, the engineer, he... The lead engineer, he was really great. He was my favorite character because of the things he said about pacifism. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was good. I liked it. All right, do you want to, while we're on the road, do you want to watch, like, all ten episodes? If Rob says they're good. All right. I, I, I vouch for the first five. All right. Obviously, I can't speak for the ones that aren't out yet. 
but I will continue to watch it and I'll can you continue to keep you abreast of whether okay. or not it's continue it's worth you know continuing with. All right. Yeah, I think you know if Rob vouches for it, we should watch it mainly because well, like I trust Rob's opinion, mm-hmm. but you know I I also remember when. Um, you know, the other new Star Trek series were coming out. You were so excited to have more Star Trek. Yeah. And and I was, too. Um, but it was really disappointing that they sucked so much. Right. Yeah. So here's a chance for new Trek that isn't terrible. I know that you have felt like Star Trek has betrayed you in recent years. Yes. But, like, here's an opportunity for Star Trek to make it up to you. Maybe. And that's all I'm looking for. And and I really I have Ellen to thank for helping me get Brian just to sit down and watch it because you know, <laughs> she was works. there were there was some conjoling <laughs> on her part on, on getting him to do it. So I if it weren't for you, I don't think I would have succeeded. <laughs> yeah, well I'm happy to help. I, thank I, you. I, just try to get him to stay open to possibilities. Well, that's Thanks. what Star Trek is about. That's what I told him the other day. Is you know, like, you know, he you know, um I, I said to him, he was like uh, uh, as as Mr. Spock is fond of saying, uh, I like to think that there are possibilities. Yeah. Well, I just wish it didn't take 30 producers in the credits to do it, to make those... <laughs> <laughs> I almost quit there. Like, it, when we were watching it, when we started, and the credits are rolling, I started counting the amount of producers yeah. for the show. And it got to, like, 27. I'm like, what the fuck is... Like, how many people did you need to make this? Anyway, yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah, I, and this and this is one of the reasons why I think there might be hope for this. I think if there, there's any Star Trek going on right now that Kurtzman has the least involvement in, I'm, it's this one. It's it's probably this one, mm-hmm. um, because in a lot of ways, this is the show that he didn't plan on making and didn't want to make, but was basically kind of like the fans forced his hand. Yeah. Because they asked for more Pike. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and to Anson Mount's credit, I know he had said in interviews, I'll do it. I'll come back as Pike, but you have to, this show has to be run differently. Right. Like, that's essentially what he said. You need different writers, you need different... So, I'm not surprised and, and, that this show feels right. And going in, that's why, like, I, I was actually kind of looking forward mm-hmm. to this series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like I said, the, the other ones are just exercises and self-flagellation. You know, yeah. I, I had a little bit of hope at the beginning of second season of Picard but now they fucking ruined it as usual yeah yeah so okay so I'm, I'm gonna end off with this on this subject I am open to this being like so one of my favorite shows of all time Battlestar Galactica from 1978 thank you uh, there was a sequel series to that called Galactica 1980, 1980 yeah. horrible fucking horrible yeah except for one episode the last episode of that series was called The Return of Starbuck and that episode by Galactica 78 fans around the world is beloved. Like, everybody loves that episode. And they kind of want to consider it canon. And they kind of treat, like, every uh, like comic series or novel series of the original Galactica has always played off of the storyline that happens in that episode. Even though, technically, it's not considered canon from the first season. Um, I could imagine that this show could find that place, perhaps, in my heart. We're like, okay... Well, that's the 1980s, not canon, but that Return of Starbuck episode? Yeah, all right. That, right. I accept that one, and I'll watch that over and over again. Right. So maybe this will fit in in that way. Um, but it would only fit in in that way, where it's almost like a, it's like Apocrypha, 
you know, for, for the Tanakh. Like, it, it's, it's just it's those extra books. Yeah, they're not really scripture, but okay. You know, like, we'll, we'll, we'll let them in. There's something interesting there. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, so maybe someday in the future we'll get another episode of Sovereign Trek. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> anyway, don't, don't wait around, folks. Uh, so <laughs> I'll work on it. Yeah. Speaking of Apocrypha, uh, let's get into our fan production, then we'll wrap this baby up. Oh, this we, we've been going one. two hours. Yeah. Now, this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, th- this is truly, truly great. Uh, it is, link is in the show notes for this. It's just called Star Wars X-Wing, and they basically, well, you, you do the intro for this, Rob. You yeah, do. I mean, you know, it, it kind of does for X-Wing what the uh, the TIE Fighter anime did for TIE Fighter. For the TIE Fighter game. Yes. 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 Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and this does the same thing for the X-Wing game. Uh, it's pretty clear they were pulling in some stuff from the Rogue Squadron novels, I felt like, with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, it's X-Wings kind of taking back Coruscant. Right. Against a bunch of Star Destroyers. Right. But a lot of the the, the, uh, the visual elements and the cockpits and the sound effects are from X-Wing, the, the, game. the game. Yes, yeah. Uh, this is all CGI? Right? Yeah, Everything. it's fantastic looking. I'm, yes, it for, is. For a fan production, I'm just, like, blown away. Yeah, it's about five and a half minutes long. I mean, you remember those those uh, those CGI uh, commercials they did for um, the um, what was it Squadrons game? Yes, it's on that level. Yes, agreed. Which those were awesome. Yes, those, like those all of the extraneous material around Squadrons was great. Right. Like the the little short stories, the the, the movies. Those, yeah, those were really cool. Um, I agree with you. This is right up there. Uh, I mean, Ellen even watched it too. And we're just like, holy shit, this is so exciting! Like, it was awesome Star Wars action, you know. And and you got what I think you want with Star Wars. Let's see the ships. Just give us all the different ships doing all their bullshit, you know. And and it was a lot of fun. I mean, what what got you when you watched it, Rob? I mean, like the visuals just like hit you in the face. Yes. Like they, this this you know fan film hits the ground running. Right. And it's fantastic. And Disney's then Disney's sending the cops again. Yeah, yeah. We're and so you're complimenting something they didn't make. Yeah, you're getting great yeah. dogfighting, which was like, you know, honestly one of the things I love so much about New Hope. Yeah, right. You right. know? Like I think some of the best dogfighting in all of Star Wars is in New Hope. Yeah, I agree. Especially even with the special yeah. particularly with the special edition. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yes. So I mean you're you're getting more of that, but like here again, like kind of all the cues and hints to the X Wing and TIE Fighter games yeah. it's great. Like a TIE Avenger shows up yes that was awesome yeah which like i think of any of the tie variants gets the least attention correct and like they're even giving it they're even calling it by all the technical yeah exactly like yeah they called it an avenger i mean yeah which i I think is a name that like doesn't get like because even even in the x-wing games they kind of switch between calling it avenger and calling it a tie advanced right like the x1 right exactly and so you have like different versions of the tie advanced but to me it's always been the avenger the yeah. fact that they got that right, just mm. yeah, chef's <laughs> kiss. That's that's what Rob just gave. Um, I also want to just point out that I got Rob to admit the special editions did something better. So, well, because <laughs> <laughs> I love those. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a, this is absolute absolute must watch if you love those games. But if you just love Star Wars, uh, this is some of the best Star Wars production. Uh, one of the best Star Wars productions I've ever seen. Right up there. In fact, we were saying it's neck and neck with the Tie Fighter anime. Right. Um, I still think the Tie Fighter anime is better. I do too. Um, but this and that's that's personal bias. Yeah, it's personal. Yeah, it's totally taste. Um, I think for a lot, especially if you're more of a fan of the Rebels, 
this is for you. Right. I mean, and it's really good. Uh, obviously not canon at all, but who cares? It's a great time. And it's only five and a half minutes. Yeah, I mean, so, there's there's yeah. a totally ridiculous part at at the end of this. That's that's a, I'm not going to spoil yeah, it. Yeah, let's not spoil that. Yeah, let's yeah. not spoil it. But, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's totally ridiculous in such a great way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. So, link is in the show notes for this. Uh, links are in the show notes, for actually, for much of what we talked about, including the trailers, if you haven't seen those yet. Um, do go ahead and, and check all of those out. Um, Rob, I think we can. I think we can wrap this one up. Uh, I don't want to do a temperature gauge on Star Wars because I already know the answer. To that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you got like, you can't be feeling good. I mean, well, okay. I, I I'm I'm conflicted. Conflicted. Yeah, because I mean, I I still have hope in the Filoniverse, if you will. Yeah. I'm okay. Still really looking forward to Ahsoka. Yep. I'm still really looking forward to the third season of The Mandalorian. Yep. Uh, I'm even looking forward to Andor. Yeah, I am too. Okay, that's fair. And Bad Batch season two. I'm yeah, right. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and there Book are, of Boba Fett season two. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, if we're getting that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny enough, even uh, Tamara Morrison said that he had problems with the, the characterization of Boba Fett in wow. that series. Right on. So, okay. I mean, like, you know. It, it may, maybe there's a chance they can turn this around and do a, a season two of Boba Fett sure. and, like, you know, write that ship. Yep. Okay. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Okay, so there's things on, like, just like I said, Acolyte, I'm, even just in the abstract, I'm, like, cautiously excited about. But... Yeah, that that's the one I'm most concerned about, to be honest with you. Wow. Yeah. But it's in such a great time. Really? The I High so. Republic? No, no, no. Well, it's, it's like going into episode one. I'm hoping that it leads into, uh, you know, the rise of Palpatine. I don't, I don't think it will. I think I think we're, we're talking about something that is, is firmly in the High Republic era, yeah. which to me has just been, granted, I haven't read all the material, but what I've seen is complete and utter shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, there, there we go. So, yeah, okay. So we're not feeling, like, terrible about everything, but I don't know. I, I'm just worried about... Disney's like, and I and I've heard trajectory. Acolyte is 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 Kathleen Kennedy's baby, so there's some trepidation there. And I've defended her in the past. Yeah, we have. But 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 you know, ever since she said that there's no source material going forward for Star Wars, you know, for the direction of Star Wars, I just like, I, I've written her off. Can't do it, Sally. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that's where we're at. So we're 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 uh, we're, we're lukewarm. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I, I like that. So, Rob, awesome to be doing this shit with you live. I know we've mentioned that quite a few times already in recent episodes that we recorded together, but, man, it really is still such a special thing since we did this for years remotely. Right. But now we're always doing it in the same room, and, man, that's fucking awesome. Isn't it? It is. Uh, so more of this to come. Uh, we'll see how much more because, of course, Alan and I will be getting on the road soon. But there's, there will certainly be, I can definitely say there will be more Patreon content featuring you and I. Uh, and maybe we'll get in another TIE Fighter Renegade. We'll, we'll see what comes out there. Sure, why, sure. why spoil the surprise? Yeah. So we'll leave it at that. Um, and we will see all of you on the other side. <laughs>